So hello everyone, welcome to the Solid Saturday episode five. Our today's guest is very special. He is not only a keynote speaker. He is not only an author. He is not only a founder. He is not only a faculty member of blockchain. He is not only a strategy advisor for the organizations. He is one in all. He is everywhere. So welcome, Dr. Mark. I'm very overwhelmed to have you on my Solid Saturday podcast. And thank you so much for your providing providing your time and consideration. Thank you. It's it's a pleasure um, to be on your show and to uh, to share my uh, my insights and my my background with with you and your audience and to help them wherever I can. Yeah. Thank you so much, and uh, it's all my pleasure actually. So to start with, as I mentioned, I am also very impressed uh, as you are everywhere. So I would like to ask, how did you manage to be like you know pursue your passions or the interest in all the areas and alongside build the career? Sure. So um, as you've mentioned, uh, I've, I've I've done and I'm doing quite a few different things. So um, I'm the founder of Dataflock, which is a, a content platform. Um, I am the uh, we're working on a new platform called Maven, which will be a social content network. Um, uh, I am uh, a keynote speaker, an author, um, so I'm doing quite a, f- a few different things. Um, and basically, the reason how I managed to to combine all three is because they all are uh, linked to each other, and they all have to do with emerging technologies such as big data, blockchain, and AI. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lessons what I learned from my PhD, I can in- I can use in my keynotes and in my in my writing. Um, and what I learned from from that, I can use in my start in my in my startups. So they all combined, and that's how I basically managed uh, to do what I do. And above all, I really enjoy what I do. So that makes life a lot easier. Yeah, that's impressive, actually. So first thing is like uh, managing a time. Do you ever find it difficult to manage the time to be on the different parts? Like, even though these fields are interlinked, you are in the like, you know, speaker, like this is a different skill set to have, or maybe you are a founder, which is like an innovative mind or working on your own things, uh, products. And then uh, when you are talking about the faculty member, it's completely an educational aspect of it. And when you talk about the strategy advisor, it is completely on the basis of the business. Like it might be related to your um, entrepreneurship, but it is like different skill sets actually, if if one person has to pursue. So how do you manage that? Uh, How do I manage that? Um, As I said, I think my main reason is that I really enjoy what I do. So I work a lot, which is for me is fine uh, because whenever I'm working with any of these things, I, I really enjoy it. Um, and that makes life a lot easier already. Um, and um, if I have to, you know, I have to give keynotes all around the world, I can use my time in the plane, for example, to to work on whatever I'm doing, which I actually really enjoy because it gives you a, a time to be, you know, isolated from the internet and actually and actually do something. So um, it's just a, a matter of of being disciplined and um, uh, and really have a, have a have a perseverance of what you want to do. And I think um, if you have that and you have a positive mindset, you can achieve anything that you want um, uh, but it, yeah it's hard work but uh, I really enjoy it that's great actually so that is something that all about the interest actually if person has the interest he anyhow finds the time so yeah. that is the yeah takeaway from it so um, so next question is like you know along the same lines like when did you realize your passions or the interest and what steps did you take to uh, the, the way you, you pursued it right right now in the career so what would be the major important steps actually one has to take 
that's uh, I think that, that that's different for everyone. Um, for mm -hmm. me, it came when I uh, went on a big adventure almost uh, nine years ago, um, mm -hmm. and uh, during that adventure, um, I didn't I, I noticed I didn't want to work for a boss anymore. I wanted to be mm -hmm. my own my own boss. Um, so when I finished the, the adventure, I decided to start my own company. Mm -hmm. And along the way, you know, you you sort of learn what what you like and and, and how you want to uh, mm -hmm. proceed with that. Um, and um, that's how I sort of enjoyed. I, I found out what what my passion was, which is basically you know uh, building a company trying to inspire people uh, and sharing my knowledge um, and uh, with the work that I do I'm, I'm able to do all three of those so um, I think it, it's, it's a matter of time and you need to um, uh, try different things to find out uh, what your passion is and uh, it's not always an easy easy path to find your passion but I'm very fortunate to have found mine yeah so i definitely can relate it is more or about the experiments and you know what you enjoy doing so finding out what is the most suitable for you so thank you so much for that um the next question is along the same line one of your uh, passion actually which is a uh, you do the keynote speaking so you mentioned that you travel more than 25 countries so would you like to uh, like you know uh, share any of your uh, like a memorable incident or the experience, or it might be funny incidents as well when you start actually the keynote speaking. Would you like to um, share any of such uh, incident? Um, yeah, sure. So when I when I started with my uh, keynotes, it's about eight years ago now, right. um, and um, at that time I. I uh, had re really only just started in in um, uh, in the field of big data, um, yeah. and within a within a few months, I was already invited to to share my knowledge um, at a conference uh, in the Netherlands, and I was like, wow, that's a bit crazy, you know? I've only started, and I'm already being uh, asked as a, as an expert. Uh, but that's when I also realized that I I was working on something very very interesting, and and um, that a lot of organizations had no idea about how to deal with big data. Um, so that was for me a uh, sort of a, 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 an eye opener that that you know um, uh, you can be an expert um, uh, by diving into the the material quite quickly. Uh, of course, you need to you know uh, be honest and really have have an understanding of, of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, it was quite interesting to see that uh, quite quickly I was rec was being recognized as being able to help people and organization yeah. with with big data. Um, and from there on, I I, I continued. I wrote, I wrote my books. I did my PhD. Uh, help organizations, and and all that information I can now share with with organizations from around the world to help them understand how to deal with emerging technologies, not only big data, mm -hmm. uh, but also blockchain and, and AI. Um, and that brought me to to some uh, uh, great parts of the world, uh, and, and and meeting some some very 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 inspiring and interesting people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Actually, that I something uh, relate as well. So when you say about it, like, you know, you explained about like a PhD also a major factor, whatever you are doing right now. So any kind of advice that you want to do to give to the students, like, you know, who are pursuing their career, what would, what is the important thing actually when you are taking the academic education along with the academic education, how much active you need to be on the social front and or the networking, uh, how that helps them to build their career actually. Sure. So um, I started, I did my PhD about uh, seven years after I finished my master's degree, uh, which uh, was really good for me because I, uh, I gained quite a bit of working experience as well um, and, and, learn, and, and working with organizations uh, from different fields. Um, and for me, that really helped me in, in doing my PhD because you're not fresh out of, out of, uh, out of uni, but you, you gain some, some work experience uh, beforehand before you start doing your PhD. Um, 
doing a PhD for me was a brilliant experience. You know, having the opportunity to spend um, three years, I, did it, I completed mine in three years, um, uh, to have an opportunity to, to spend three years on a certain topic, take a deep dive um, and really learn what's, 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 really learn the entire field uh, that, you're, that you're, uh, your PhD is in. Um, I thought that was a, a fantastic intellectual challenge and I can only recommend it to, to everyone uh, uh, trying to do it. Yeah, so investing time on the education is the major major factor that, you know. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, that is a great advice to have any student to have, actually. Uh, moving uh, to the next question, um, it is about the blockchain. Uh, again, one of your uh, passions. So uh, is blockchain private, public, or hybrid? It might be a basic oh for you but i don't know <laughs> well you have of course you have different types of blockchains you have a public blockchain you have a private blockchain you have a hybrid blockchain and the different types of, of blockchains mm -hmm. um can be useful for different applications you know um if you want uh yeah, if you want to uh replace the monetary system such as bitcoin then you definitely need to have a, a public blockchain if mm -hmm. you want um a, a, a system to uh, improve settlements between banks you definitely want to have a private blockchain mm -hmm. um so there it really depends where you're going to use the blockchain for? Uh, private blockchains are for enterprise solutions. Public blockchains are for for uh, yeah public solutions. Um, and, and I think that's uh, one is not better than the other. Um, they're just different applications. Um, and in the end, you know, a blockchain is nothing more, nothing less than a database. Um, and instead of having a, a read-write edit, uh, it's only read-write. Um, and um, you know we. we Everyone is super excited about blockchain, and so am I, because I think blockchain is, is has the opportunity to to fundamentally change to uh, change our society. Uh, but in the end, it's just a database. Yeah. So, any particular uh, like uh, Bitcoin use cases or a couple of Bitcoin use cases you would like to explain or just mention here? Well, I think. Um, and, uh, from a blockchain perspective, not from a Bitcoin perspective, from a blockchain perspective, I think one of the uh, um, uh, really interesting examples is, is, is the uh, use cases for supply chains, where you can really have uh, determine the provenance of a product or a service or, or even data. And so you can really follow a product, uh, let's say um, uh, coffee beans from, from the coffee farm uh, all the way to a, to a cafe uh, somewhere around the world. So you can see exactly how the, the, the beans were, uh, the coffee beans were transported through the supply chain. And you can perfectly see who was involved, uh, etc. Um, I think, yeah, if you look at supply chains, um, it, it's quite remarkably, remarkable that we have been able to develop these global, very, very complicated supply chains um, mm. and that they work. Um, and, but with blockchain, we can make them more effective, more efficient, um, uh, etc. So I think that that's a really, really interesting example. Uh, the other example is, is very much focused on, on tokenization. Mm -hmm. um, tokenization um, uh, will really change uh, um, change society as well. If you look at uh, hey, we have three, token, three, three different types of tokens. We have currency tokens, uh, Bitcoin being one of them. We have utility tokens, where you yeah, the token is is meant as a as a to to purchase something uh, within a certain platform, for example, uh, Ether. Um, and you have security tokens, which mm. you know have the objective to to increase in value over time. And uh, if you look at tokenization, for example, from a fractional ownership perspective, okay. uh, that instead of, uh, if you have a, a building, instead of it being owned by uh, two or three investors, uh, and if they want to sell the building, it can take half a year before their, let's say, $100 million building has been sold. But if you tokenize that um, and you have fractional ownership, they can sell their building 
on the secondary market instantly. So uh, that means that all of a sudden we have uh, an influx of um, uh, illiquid assets that become liquid, um, and that will really have an effect on the on the world economy, mm-hmm. because uh, 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 trillions of dollars which are currently illiquid will become uh, liquid when uh, we start to tokenize uh, companies, buildings, assets, uh, etc. Um, and I think that's uh, that's a fascinating uh, uh, development. Uh, we're still early early days, but it's a fascinating development. So what is the future of blockchain like? What's the future of blockchain like? Um, I think the future of blockchain is when we no longer talk about blockchain. Um, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. when, we, yeah. when, it's just de- when it's just there, you know, uh, we go to Amazon and nobody knows how Amazon really works, but we use Amazon all, 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 every day. Uh, same for all the other big platforms. Um, and the moment we start talking about blockchain, but we have a decentralized uh, internet or decentralized society, um, you know, we no longer talk about blockchain. I think that, that's the future. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no, but because people a lot talk a lot more about actually AI and the data analytics stuff, right? So that way, the same way blockchain is also one of the areas, blockchain and cryptocurrency. You always hear those words nowadays. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're big buzzwords, yeah, at the moment. <laughs> big words right now, like a boom. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, another question is around your keynote speaking, actually. Uh, we already men- uh, actually i guess we discussed this uh, but uh, this is about like you know uh, how did you start your first keynote speaking and uh, you already mentioned it actually and what steps did you take to make that so maybe yeah, yeah. that question um, next question is uh, you know um, like lots of organization now for the big data or the data analytics areas they are moving to the cloud solutions so um, what would be the typical cloud solution organization should adapt? Like, you know, what kind of, like, it would be? Well, there, there's no uh, one approach to say here, but uh, let me give you, um, uh, the, explain the model that I have in my latest book, uh, the, the Organization of Tomorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. I came up with, uh, with a model, uh, which I call the D square plus A square model, mm-hmm. which basically helps organizations in this, uh, to digitally transform their business and to become a data, organization mm-hmm. um, so it basically means you need to datafy your, your processes and your customer mm-hmm. touch points so you need to uh, collect data uh, you need to change analog processes into digital processes mm-hmm. um, and you can for example use the internet of things for that to use sensors to for example um, digitize your workplace mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> then you need to distribute your data you need to distribute the data either through um, a cloud solution whether that's uh, aws or microsoft or google or uh, Alibaba's cloud solution doesn't really matter, but you need to use a cloud solution for that. Um, and you do that, especially if it's an uh, internal approach, uh, uh, you have a centralized uh, solution. Mm-hmm. If you want to collaborate with industry partners, you can use a blockchain solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you use you dist- distribute your data through uh, a blockchain technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you have distributed your data, you can then start to analyze your data. So you use uh, descriptive, predictive, descriptive analytics to understand um, uh, the different patterns within the data. And you can gain insights from that to improve your decision-making, for example. Mm-hmm. And the final step is to automate your business, to automate your processes and your, your customer touch points uh, with, for example, artificial intelligence or uh, using smart contracts uh, on a blockchain. Um, and, uh, and that will then really help you to digitally transform your business. And the, so the D-square plus A-square model of 
datafying your data, distributing your data, analyzing your data, and automating uh, your processes uh, really helps you to understand whether it's a small, very tiny process within your organization okay. or eventually your entire organization to digitally transform your business and to become a, a data organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds cool, actually. Um, moving to the next question, which is again, uh, I guess, along the um, these cloud solutions and then you know data. So, uh, what steps uh, do individual or the organization or any other social media platforms need to take towards the data security? Actually, this is going to be one of the things when we are talking about the data because it yeah, is well, the all everywhere. Like, yeah. yeah, data security is a, a major, major, major issue. And unfortunately, um, uh, for many organizations, it's, it's still not a priority, um, and which to me is absolutely, un yeah, I, I don't understand why not. Uh, if you are a data organization and if data is one of your, your, your main assets, uh, you want to make sure that your data can't be stolen, you, you can't be hacked, and if you are hacked, that at least the data is encrypted um, and that, that hackers can't do anything with the data. Um, so uh, I've always said that, you know, any organization can and will be hacked. Um, and if you haven't been, then you're simply not important enough. Um, so you really need to make sure that that, that um, uh, your data privacy, also your data privacy, but your data security usage um, is is uh, yeah, top notch, uh, um, and that 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 you 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 use the latest technology to to do so because uh, yeah, we've seen too many data breaches in the past years, and we will continue to see very many many data breaches uh, in, in in the future, and it can significantly harm your business. Yeah, you can go bankrupt if you uh, if you don't take this serious. So organizations really have to pay attention to this. Yeah, I also see, sometimes feel like, you know, the content I'm generating, actually, I always feel like, you know, how am I going to secure it? Apart from copywriting it, uh, how much I can control on that data part, actually. So that is like, uh, yeah. from individual level to the big population, actually, it is the major concern, I feel. Absolutely, absolutely. And then every, everything becomes data driven. And, and if, if, as I said, if you are a data organization and uh, your, your main assets, data is being stolen or being, uh, or, or being leaked, um, then you have a serious problem. Yep, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so that is the big area, I guess, to grow. Uh, because alongside when we talk a lot more about the data fields, actually, is going to create the another business pipeline which was the, which is going to be a data security yeah absolutely yeah um, so moving to the next question it is like um, along the same line actually uh, what are the real challenges when organizations move to the big data solutions or the cloud solutions what are the real challenges um, well, that's a good question. I think there are basically three challenges that organizations face. Uh, one is um, skills. So they need to uh, up their skills level within the organization. So they need to, to hire uh, the right uh, data scientists or uh, data engineers. Um, um, and they, 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 they can either um, use a consultancy uh, firm for that or they train their own staff uh, or hire new staff. But they need to up their skills if they want to be able to compete in um, uh, and become a data-driven uh, business. Mm -hmm. Uh, the second one is technology. They need to have the technology in place, and um, uh, they, uh, you know, technology is the, basically the easy part. Uh, we can, yes, we're still a long way to go, especially for example, if you look at blockchain or AI. But it's rel relatively easy. Um, the third and main challenge is culture. You, know, you need, as an organization, uh, you need to change your culture, culture to a data-driven culture. 
and a simple example is that for uh, if um, if everyone in the organization has access to insights, then that will result in empowerment of your employees. It mm -hmm. means that you know, the decision-making capabilities will no longer be solely with uh, your senior management, but basically with should be with everyone who faces the customer and who um, uh, who can improve, who can work or improving uh, a product or service. Mm -hmm. And that that's one thing. Uh, but on the other hand, if you have if you used to have like a uh, a reporting or monitoring of once a month, um, uh, and now all of a sudden you have real-time reporting that also requires real-time action. Um, um, changing your company culture is, is the hardest part because people can always find it difficult to change. Um, so uh, yeah, your skills, technology, and culture are the three main challenges, I would say, for organizations that want to digitally transform their business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we can just, just say that, you know, it all starts and ends with the people, how much they yes. want. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, so uh, next question is about, you know, uh, it's for the students actually, uh, any recommendation of courses that you would like to advise students to learn actually in these particular areas, like any particular courses you would recommend or you know, uh, any books for the guidance or something? <clears throat> Well, you can always, of course, start with my books. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> point. Yeah, great one. Um, and uh, but I would I would recommend I don't have any particular courses in mind, but uh, there are, um, it, it really depends on what students want to learn, uh, which field they want to be, um, and uh, there are of course uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of different courses that that that, that go that are available uh, uh, online. So what matters is that you really look into the courses that that suit your interest, so that if you start with it, that you actually enjoy doing it, because if you don't enjoy doing a course, you will not complete it. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you really have need to have this intrinsic motivation to do a certain course, uh, otherwise it become it will become quite difficult to complete a course. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so which course you know that 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 means for for uh, any particular uh, student that's very difficult to recommend because every every student has of course a different uh, uh, situation. But mm -hmm. the main important thing is that if you select a course, make sure you enjoy it. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a good advice actually. If you <laughs> choose it, and whenever you decide something to do, actually come with it. <laughs> that yeah. <is> a, <laughs> um. So uh, the next question is about uh, we already covered it actually about your PhD in management. How did you decide that you want to do the PhD in management? Is it just because coming along with your uh, entrepreneurship thing, or it is a part of you know how you uh, build your career and start growing towards it? Well, it, it happened sort of by accident because um, um, I, I sort of wanted to do wanted to do a PhD, uh, but never really paid attention to it. And then I spoke to um, to my now former supervisor, um, and um, mm -hmm. we had a very nice chat. And um, I suggested, well, I might as well give it a shot and apply um, uh, for a position as a PhD candidate. Um, and then the University of Technology in Sydney uh, uh, provided me with two scholarships to do so, and that was like a, a fantastic opportunity to, to, to do my PhD. Mm -hmm. That was at the, at, the, at the business school of UTS um, and uh, in the faculty of management. So that's how I ended up doing a PhD uh, in management, but I really took a technology approach. Mm -hmm. um, so I looked at how big data, blockchain, and AI and are, are changing organizations from a strategic and management perspective. Um, so yes, it's a PhD in management, but very much with a technology focused. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense actually. <clears throat> work with lots of technologies actually at the same time. Um, so uh, next question is about you know um, what's the difference between statistical AI and classical AI? 
Uh, what's the difference between the technical uh, question? <laughs> that's a te that's a technical question, um, uh, and um, I approach technologies really from a strategic perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so what what does um, AI mean for an organization? What mm -hmm. does machine learning? Uh, how can you use machine learning uh, uh, within your organization? Mm -hmm. um, I am not a technical uh, uh, person. I, I can't mm -hmm. develop. Uh, AI, I can't mm -hmm. uh, develop uh, statistical models, uh, but I, I, I can look at how these technologies um, uh, change organizations. And I think that's also for um, what's, what's most interesting for organizations is, um, yes, you have the technical part, um, but in the end, you need to be able to, 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 to uh, put it to work towards your, uh, your, towards your business. So you need to know um, uh, how you can use AI uh, in your organization and how does AI change your organization um, mm -hmm. uh, to make it useful. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Um, the next question is like, uh, as we always in deal with, you know, uh, helping the organization in emerging technologies. So uh, how do you describe uh, blockchain or the AI, these terms to the non-technical person, like when you are dealing with the people who are not much aware of the technology and you have to explain them what would be yeah. the best? So the way I always explain it is from a blockchain perspective, which I mentioned earlier, it, it's it's basically just a database technology, um, and it's a, but it's a database that instead of being read, write, edit, which is normally the case, it's a database which is read and write. Um, as a consequence, uh, anyone can um, uh, and this database is then shared between uh, uh, multiple people or hundreds or thousands or millions of people, and anyone can add to the database and then you use a consensus mechanism to uh, make sure that the data that is being added in the correct way. Um, and all of a sudden, all, everyone has a single source of the truth because everyone can see in the database and see what the data is. Um, and that makes data immutable, verifiable and traceable. Mm -hmm. So um, that, that's really the, uh, uh, if you look at it from a blockchain perspective. Uh, or what about uh, AI? You can see basically there are three different fields of AI. So you have uh, the cognitive systems, which really um, uh, deal with the interaction between uh, 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 machines and um, and humans. For example, uh, uh, chatbots, where we interact with the chatbots, um, and that's very much focused on the cognitive systems. And we have um, the robotic systems, uh, which are like you know an exoskeleton, which helps uh, uh, factory workers to to interact and to lift heavier heavier stuff. That, that of course uses a lot of uh, uh, artificial intelligence uh, as well. And then you have the information world where you use machine learning to to make it have an understanding of of the data uh, at hand and to learn from that. And to me, uh, artificial intelligence is the seamless integration of the cognitive the robotics and the, the information world uh, where we use machines to to automate and to basically replicate intelligent behavior oh, okay that's great um, moving to the next question um, it is more about you know uh, along these technological skills actually uh, what other skills do you think are the prior important in the future when we consider about all these technical terms and plus you need these skills like you know mandate like these are going to be top priority skills i think that the, the main uh, skill that we would need is is the um, skill to be able to analyze mm -hmm. uh, a certain process or a certain uh, project or a certain, a certain issue um, uh, you know analytical behavior uh, to understand um, how a process uh, uh, works how it integrates with the different technologies mm -hmm. um, i think that's that's a, a, a very important skill that we 
um, are able to uh, dissect uh, a problem um, and, 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 and look at the problem from different angles and see what the best way uh, uh, solution is, what the best technology is, um, uh, how to solve that issue. So um, I think the analytical uh, problem solving skills is, is what we should teach um, students um, uh, because that's, I think, is something that will be uh, always very, very important in any job. Yeah, that's true, actually. Uh, actually, understanding your problem statement and then after proceeding further, what would be the you know, next steps? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that I also can definitely relate to. Otherwise, you will just waste your time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, the next question is more or like why this podcast stands for as well. Like, you know, um, how do you describe your leadership style? Like, you know, if one has to take the leaderships in their areas of interest or the passions they have, um how what they have to do to take the leaderships and then how do you describe your own leadership style um i think the the, the lead by example is, is 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 the best approach and that's also my approach how i try to to lead in whatever i do is mm-hmm. that uh, um, uh yeah if you um if you want to achieve something and you, you you stand for something and you expect it from the the people that that report to you uh, mm-hmm. you need to give the to the good example and you need to do the right thing uh, first and foremost so um i think really um um, um, lead by example and um, um, is, is I think very powerful and that's how what I what I use in whatever I do uh, and that works for me yeah yeah that's a great great leadership style actually that you know always set an example for the others so that others can follow and admire yeah 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 uh, that's a great leadership style and then uh, to end up this podcast actually uh, the last question that I would like to ask is like what is the advice actually you would like to give to the professionals who are uh, doing their job or pursuing their career and uh, looking for a job shift or they are wanted to grow in that particular area and or the students or the aspiring entrepreneurs because you are everywhere so <laughs> what kind of advice you would like to give in general to the people <laughs> yeah well i think my, my advice would be to uh, to always always learn uh, always be open for new things um, mm-hmm. always be open to uh, to to experience new things and to you know like to have a life uh, approach like lifelong learning mm-hmm. um, you know um, um, i started my phd when i was uh, 33 32 I think, um, and uh, you know, it was a great experience, and I'll probably do another learning educational experience in the next years, uh, because it's good to to keep yourself up to date. The world is changing so incredibly fast, so you need to be know you need to know what's going on in the world. So lifelong learning, um, uh, having an open mind, and looking into the world with a positive attitude, I think is is the best approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. So. I would like to one more time actually thank you for consideration and being a guest on my Solid Saturday podcast. It's really means a lot to me because this is just my fifth episode and I'm expecting many more to do uh, in future. So thank you so much. Really appreciate your time actually being on a different time zones. Also, you said that, you know, <laughs> manage it. So I was like, oh, that's really a great. Like, <laughs> and you already shown that leadership by example to me, actually, that, you know, you should not be bothered about the times. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. so you, you just like consider your time and just let me know. So thank you yeah. so much for that. Uh, really appreciate uh, that. It's my pleasure. It's been a great uh, yeah, joy to be on your show. And uh, good luck with all the, uh, the episodes to follow. And I'll definitely uh, follow them as well.
thank you so much and it's all my pleasure and it was great meeting you actually and talking to you thank you thank you